kitchen's linoleum floor. I made a mental note to clean it up when I awoke in the morning. I had met Sonny almost exactly a year earlier, in November. I was down by the river, fishing with the old Hmong men and the old black men, all of us hunched over on plastic pickle buckets, all of us looking out over the swirling eddies, waiting for something to happen. I had always been a bachelor. I didn't know how to meet women, not really. I'd had lovers in college, but it was always almost accidental, those magnetic couplings wrought out of beer and pot, intimacies that by morning had come undone, unbound, and sometimes we'd drive to a truck stop or a cafe for breakfast, but frequently not, and the girls would simply collect their clothes in a ball and leave without a word. The fishing had been steady that day, and I had just hooked a pretty good-sized carp when a car slammed on its brakes at the top of the riverbank. Reeling hard, I glanced over my shoulder and saw a figure pushed out of the automobile, an old hornet, just as it sped off, its open passenger door clapping shut. None of the other fishermen seemed to notice. I hesitated before cutting the line, but it was the only thing to do. I scrambled up the talus of the bank in my old Wellingtons, out of breath. She was lying down on the asphalt, knees up in the air, boots on the pavement, her hair arrayed around her head like a black halo. One arm was flat on the ground, the other moving a cigarette toward her lips. She had a cut on her forehead, not big, the blood already coagulating in the cold. You all right? I asked. She didn't answer right away, and if she hadn't been smoking, I might have kicked her softly with a boot to see if she was alive. Behind me, the river moved huge and slow, one great broad brown stroke of movement and sound, and beyond it I heard a whistle from the paper plant and the beeping sound of a forklift in reverse. I moved closer to her and extended my hand. She was crying, I saw now, only without making any noise. Get up, I said, and it was the only order I ever gave, Sonny. She took my hand and struggled up. I handed her a red handkerchief, which she used to wipe her face and nose. Then she stuck the cloth in her pocket as if it were her own, something she'd just happened to find. On the handkerchief were my initials, stitched there by my grandmother, now gone. Want something to drink? I asked. She nodded her head, and we moved back down to the river. I helped her navigate the talus, and when we reached the shore, I motioned to my pickle bucket. She sat and crossed her muscular legs. They were the legs of a gymnast or a volleyball player, thick and shapely. She flicked the last of her cigarette into the water, and I watched the filter do pirouettes in the water until a carp rose and made it disappear into the murk. Did you see that? She said. There was excitement in her voice as she pointed to the disappearance. They'll eat anything, I said. It ate my cigarette, she said, delighted. It ate my fucking cigarette. Then, I wonder if it was still burning a little. I unscrewed my thermos and poured her a cup of coffee. She reached for it through the cold air, and I could see that her fingers were long and beautiful and trembling slightly with what I thought was the cold. There were many rings on her fingers, and her nails were painted a color between black and purple. My name's Bruce, I said. Sonny, she answered, shifting the coffee from one hand to the other as she shook my hand. Her grip was strong. Got any milk? she asked. Sugar? Brandy? I have this, I said, and reached into a pocket of my vest, producing a silver flask that my best friend had given me many years before, just after high school, when we were still in touch. 
Sonny unscrewed the top and sniffed. Bullet? she asked. I raised an eyebrow. It's my favorite. I didn't know then that Sonny was an alcoholic, and later there were times I wished I had known because early on, we would sit together by the river, drinking bullet or sometimes splitting thirty cans of hams, and I would think how she drank faster than anyone I'd ever seen, as if she were drowning but couldn't help herself and kept gulping down the burn until it almost shut her faculties off, until she would either pass out or go about the world like an angry zombie, and sometimes I could escort her home without incident. But there were more nights, when she would start swearing at me in the street or in a bar or even on the front lawn, the girl's face pressed to the front windows and a skittish babysitter behind them, a telephone in her hands. One of mine, too, she said taking a pull off the flask and then pouring more than a few thimbles into her coffee.